Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. Um, so yeah, last week was uh, our Easter, big Easter uh, crescendo weekend um, that we, um, I hope, you know, it wasn't just a one weekend, you know, kind of celebration for you. I hope that is as we came into the Easter season, and uh, some traditions, of course, uh, celebrate uh, Lent. Um, and, uh, but the whole idea is just that whole lead up to the events of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus and, and uh, the, uh, the foundation of our, of our faith and, and our identity as, as Christians and as his church. So it's been, uh, it's been uh, great. I hope you've been very blessed over the over recent uh, weeks. Um, this is another special occasion for me personally uh, this morning. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned that um, was my, yeah, I have to remember what it was, but uh, yeah, it was the first time I, I got to actually speak uh, with you as an associate pastor rather than a lead pastor, having made uh, that uh, transition in, in the month of March to... Uh, Josh uh, taking that, the lead position, and so well, that was kind of a, a, a first for me, a special occasion, and today is kind of a special occasion as well, because this will be the last uh, time I will be sharing with you uh, for probably a, a few months, because I'm preparing to start a sabbatical leave uh, uh, in the next week uh, sometime, and uh, so... Uh, so I uh, was thinking a lot about this morning, actually, and what I, what I should be uh, sharing with you. Um, and this is also the first Sunday in a long time, as long as, long as I can remember, when we, hadn't ha- when we haven't had an assigned text or topic. Uh, so I had to pick, or I got to pick, depending on how you look at it, this morning what I was going to share with you. And, you know, to be honest, having things planned far ahead and having assigned, uh, an assignment assigned a passage um, is, has, was, has been a very freeing experience for me. It, it hasn't always been that way in my, my uh, life, and, uh, but for quite a few years we've been, you know, we've been really attempting to, to plan those things out far ahead, giving ourselves lots of, of lead time, and, and it's different when you approach the Bible that way. It's, it's different, and uh, I've been thoroughly enjoying it, and uh, I, I, I hope that you have as well. Uh, but that's made my preparation time a little harder today because I, I wasn't sure what I should be uh, speaking on or, or what have you. And, uh, but I have, uh, I've decided to entitle the message this morning, Who Me? Yes, You. And I thought, and I know that's the most, not the most catchy, uh, catchy title uh, that you've ever heard. Um, but I, I, uh, I want to talk with you about the church and if you've responded to the call of Jesus Christ, uh, then that means you. Um, even if you have been considering in your life and thinking about and wondering about the call of Jesus on your life, uh, that makes it a, you as well. Uh, yeah, you. I thought about going. I thought about going uh, with. Uh, um, who, me, yeah, you, but I wasn't sure, did, like, does God use uh, slang terms? I don't know. 
But that's what we would say, right? Yeah, you. Even though yeah is not a word. Uh, I guess it's a word. But would God use slang terms? I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But we have much bigger questions to concern ourselves with today, right? We really do. So uh, I want to start by taking you back a bit. Um, for some of you, this would be so far back that you weren't even born, but uh, that's all right. You can appreciate it nonetheless. Um, I want to take you back to a time uh, about coming up on 34 years ago because it, that's when I was called into this position as pastor um, and at that time the only pastor of this uh, church. And uh, as the old saying goes, time flies when you're having fun. And 34 years has, has, has flown by. And uh, about four years prior to that, I uh, received what I believe to be a pastoral calling uh, from the Lord upon my life. And that didn't happen in a moment of time, but it did kind of hinge on a moment of time, and I remember the moment really well. I was actually sitting in uh, our living room, a house that uh, we had built ourselves and were living in at the time, uh, fairly newly married, and uh, hadn't been a, a Christian uh, very long, uh, maybe about four years or so um, at this time, and I was reading the book of Mark. It's a good thing to do. I was reading through the book of Mark, and as I was reading in Mark chapter 6, and I read, as I read verse 34 of Mark chapter 6, I experienced a powerful impression upon my heart and mind, and uh, I've, I've thought about it many times, I've told the story many times, and I've always struggled for the, to find the right words to describe that, mom, that moment, but, um, but Mark 6.34 says, when he, and the he there is Jesus, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like a shepherd, or they were like, a sh like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Now, just to be clear, the passage is um, about Jesus, not about me or, or you, unless we identify with the crowd because that's who, when we read that passage, you know, that's who we we are, uh, need to identify with primarily there is the crowd that Jesus uh, had compassion on because, because uh, you and I need to be shepherded by Jesus. He is the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep, right? Right? But when I read those words that day, I was taken by an overwhelming sense of uh, need and compassion for people and a sense that God was... Uh, calling me to act on it. I felt a compulsion to, to teach. And um, I know it's, it's a very subjective thing, of course, but it's real nonetheless. And that sense of calling has been confirmed many times over uh, the years before and since that moment of time. And I don't want to go into the details uh, of that. I only want to really point out that it, it's a pastoral calling. Um, you probably know already, you probably know a lot of this already, uh, but the word pastor uh, comes from the Latin word, which means shepherd. And so that's why I say it's a pastoral uh, calling. It can be used as either a noun or a verb, 
And um, according to Wikipedia, great source of information, to pasture when used as a verb means to lead to pasture, to set to grazing, or to cause to eat. Math, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 34, and when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them uh, many things. Now, this could seem a little self-centered this morning as I was preparing and thinking and praying and, and studying and all doing all the things that we do to get ready for uh, preaching time. I, you know, it's, I thought about this. It's in, in it could feel like, and it was feeling like, you know, uh, let me see, what should I talk about this morning? Oh, I got a good idea. Let's talk about me. Um, but the thing is, we are in a time of transition in our church, and, and in these days, when it comes to leadership roles, I want for all of us to recognize that this, this critical area of scriptural teaching for us as a church, and that even as I talk a little bit about myself this morning, it's not about me, really, at all. Um, these days, as, as I move into an associate pastor role in our church, and Josh moves into a lead role, I want to crystallize in our minds in these days and here this morning for us exactly what those roles are all about, because it's not about either of us, either neither Josh nor me. Uh, I point you back to the text. The text is, uh, the read in advance text is Mark chapter 6. I hope you got to read through that chapter. But verse 34 is the verse that, that uh, I want you to just take a, another look at again. And, and who is in view in the, in the text? It says that Jesus saw the crowd. The crowd was in his view. Now, when Jesus looked at a crowd of people, and he looked at the crowd of people that day, when you and I look at a, a, a group of people, a large group of people, even a smaller group of people, we, we struggle to, to see everyone. Uh, we, it just kind of blurs. This morning, you know, it's kind of, it's just a little bit blurry out there, right? Uh, probably partly because our ability to pay attention is limited to one thing. We can only really pay attention to one thing at a time. Um, I know that uh, there's a lot of talk about the multitasking, the ability that people have to multitask, and some people feel that they're better at it than others, and most of us you know, have tend to think that young people are especially good at it, and then when you get to my age, you're, you're doing well to focus on one task, let alone two or three or four. But you know the science on that says that nobody actually multitasks that the ability to so, do so-called multitasking is actually the ability to move from one, uh, uh, from attention on one thing to attention on another thing and then maybe back and forth quickly and well. Because as human beings, we are finite and we're limited. And one of the things that, that limits us is our ability to be able to pay attention. And so, unlike God, who is infinite, we are finite. So God can pay attention to everything at once. It's part of being God. Because God is infinite. But you and I are not infinite. We're finite. And one of the ways that we're limited is our ability to be able to pay attention. But when Jesus looked at the crowd that day, 
He was the son of God, right? And, and I want us to think just a little bit today about how God looks at us. And I want to say to you today, you have God's attention. That's, not, not, that's no small thing. Maybe you have often wondered. I, I, think, I think all of us probably wonder at times. Do you see me, God? How, how is it that God can be, have, uh, that I can have God's attention this morning, that you can have God's attention this morning, but meanwhile, God is very concerned about what's going on in Ukraine? Or what about the church down the road? God is omnipresent. You and I can be present in how many places at once? One place. And just as our ability to be present is limited, so our ability to pay attention is limited. And then sometimes, like maybe on Sunday morning, it might be extremely uh, limited uh, for, for various reasons. But the point is, is that we, uh, we have a hard time. We can't really concentrate on more than one thing at, the, at, at a time. But God has, um, you have God's attention this morning. And I want, I want you to be aware of that. I want it for us to be conscious of that, and I want us to think about that. Um, the passage goes on to say, it says that he saw the crowd, and, and in the King James Version, it says that he was moved with compassion towards them. And uh, uh, that, that just grabbed me that day, and it, and it has held me ever since. And if, of course, I didn't know it. I didn't know at the time that that's one of those uh, twelve occurrences of the word splagnitzomai in the New Testament gospel accounts that as, that literally means that that he was moved in his his intestines moved within inside of him in his gut. He felt their their pain and and something moved inside of him that uh, moved him to act. The passage says that. He was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And uh, the need to, for God to teach us remains the critical need of the moment. But it also moves us to act. And that's why engagement is one of our core values um, now, the, the, the advanced reading that we sent out that we asked you to do, as I mentioned a minute ago, is Mark chapter 6. I hope that you get to read that because uh, what I would like to do this morning is rather than trying to dig down deep on, on Mark uh, chapter 6 or verse 34 uh, is to go rather a little bit more wide than deep on this because I want for us to develop not only an appreciation this morning for the fact that um, that Jesus is our shepherd, our good shepherd, our great shepherd, but how he also calls and equips and instructed his disciples and who would become the apostles um, uh, to um, in some of these these same critical areas and aspects of our lives for him as we live for him and as we seek to live our lives for him and serve him in this in this world because Jesus not only called people to live for him when he was bodily here on the earth 
he calls people today. You have his attention. Um, and Jesus not only calls people in some instances to lead, but he redefines what it means to lead. And so I want to look at three other biblical passages, and we're not going to drill down deep on any of them. But I want to share some thoughts with you, and um, I want to move on to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to look at uh, verses 25 through 28 and thinking about these things as we, as we read there. It says, but Jesus called them to him, his disciples, and said, uh, you, the context of this uh, you may remember is when they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. Okay. Um, Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. While I was studying this passage years ago, I came across some fascinating work done by a man named Kenneth Willis Clark. Kenneth Clark was a professor at Duke University. He was a Greek paleographer who specialized in Greek New Testament manuscripts. Concerning this phrase here, lord it over, uh, Jesus called to them and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And verse 26, it shall not be so among you. That, that phrase, lord it over, which is one word in the Greek that is really hard to pronounce. I'm not even going to try. Um, but in his, in his uh, work, uh, Kenneth Clark documents how the phrase lorded over developed as an English idiom sometime prior to the 18th century. Now, just stick, stay with me on this, okay? I'm going to quote from him. So this is Kenneth Clark. He says, it is of significance to note that the idiom to lord it over never appeared in any English translation before the 18th century. Our major concern here has been to rescue um, this term from a common misinterpretation, especially in the synoptic occurrences, meaning the synoptic gospels, which are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where we find this passage. And to restore to the New Testament a correct translation, which is to rule over, to exercise lordship over, to be lord of, to master, to have dominion over. In fact, it's the word that's used in the Greek version of the Old Testament in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, where the, the cultural, God gives the cultural mandate to Adam and Eve and tells them to rule over and to subdue the earth. Um, and then he says, there is no place in the New Testament nor in the wider expanse of Greek literature for the translation to lord it over. And it's, it might seem like a subtle thing to you, but what, what he goes on to explain, what, what Kenneth, um, um, what did I say his name was? Clark, thank you. Who was that? <laughs> thank you, Dale. You, you are good for something. All right. <laughs> It's okay, we have an understanding, Dale and I. He told me I can pick on him anytime I want. That's, that, 
that's I'm quoting you on that, yeah. Um, <laughs> Clark, Kenneth Clark, thank you. Um, what he's getting at is, is that we have had, got this idea that, that uh, Jesus was telling the disciples, you see the kings of the Gentiles and the rulers of the Gentiles, how they, uh, how they rule, uh, they just have such a bad attitude about it. But when you rule over people in position of leadership, you've got to make sure you don't have a bad attitude. So don't lord it over people. The problem with that interpretation is, is that's not what Jesus said. The word doesn't mean have a bad attitude while you're leading. It means you don't rule over people. Period. There, and there is, a, there is a difference. You know, I always uh, am a, a little amused and more than a little perturbed when the secular world claims to discover things that are actually very much Christian in their origin. So I remember back in the early days when I was, when God, I was being prepared for the things that God was calling me to do in his church, uh, how uh, the secular world in those back in the, the we're talking uh, 70s and 80s, uh, discovered this whole, this really revolutionary new concept of leadership. Um, they, and they called it, are you ready? Servant leadership. This guy named Robert Greenleaf, you can look it up, uh, but I'm going to quote from one of his uh, successors. It says, the phrase servant leadership was coined by Robert Greenleaf in his book, The Servant as Leader. There's an essay, actually, The Servant as Leader, which he published in 1970. Um, Robert Greenleaf never discovered servant leadership. And it, as I say, it amuses me and it perturbs me at the same time when the secular world claims things that actually Jesus, Jesus was the one. And as near as we can tell from any uh, historical documentation, Jesus was the first one who really um, brought this idea to the forefront. And he did it when he was instructing his disciples who would become the primary leaders in the early church. Um, anyways, the point. And the point is that Jesus defined Christian leadership as service to others. Two more scriptures. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 16. It says, and he gave some, uh, he gave the, apostle, <laughs> the apostles, Reverting back to King James in my mind here, but and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. Are you with me? On are you reading? Are you see? Do you have your scriptures with you? Maybe um, verse thirteen. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. And when each part is working properly, make the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Did you catch those words? Whole body, every joint, each part. 
you have God's attention. Church leaders serve, I should say, church leaders lead by serving others in ways that enable others to become better at serving others. I hope you noticed the first part of that passage where it says, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And you probably know that every Christian is, biblically speaking, a saint. Not that we live perfect kinds of lives or exceptional kinds of lives in terms of how well we perform, but we're set apart and made holy by, by Jesus and his sacrifice on our behalf. So every single believer is a saint. Every single believer has the Holy Spirit inside of them. Um, The work of ministry. Did you see that phrase there? Which verse is that in? Verse 12? Yeah, for the work of ministry. Ministry is, um, is an old word. It's a Latin word. Do you know what it, what it means? The word ministry as a Latin word is, comes with the, from the root meaning of small. That's where we get the word minus from, or the word minor, which literally means smaller, and it means to diminish, to reduce, or to lessen. And if you're wondering what that has to do with what we're talking about, I, I, I want to make it painstakingly obvious to you that when Jesus talked about becoming a servant, he was talking about lowering, the lowering of ourselves, the diminishing of ourselves. Remember John the Baptist talking about Jesus? He said, he must increase, I must decrease. That's the attitude of a servant leader. Jesus said, of all the people in the kingdom of God, there's none greater than John the Baptist. But John the Baptist said, I need to decrease. I need to make myself smaller and make him bigger. Um, it's the role of a servant. The word serve there in this passage, the word, the word ministry, comes from, it's a Latin word, uh, which is basically the word minister. The Greek of the passage, uh, it's the same word that's used throughout the New Testament that's translated serve. And... It's not a special word. Now, we've taken the word minister and we've made it a, some kind of special word. We call our, uh, many of our politicians ministers. Um, I think we've lost the idea of what the word means. Um, It's the basic word that's used over and over again throughout the New Testament, and it's not a special kind. It's, it's 
the kind of serving that Jesus did when he washed the disciples' feet because the, 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 that was the role of a servant. And, you know, I'm standing in a kind of a prominent position this morning because I'm, I'm up here, the, the lights are all shining on me, and I'm up here, you guys are seated here, and, and, uh, and it normally happens something like this on a, on a weekly basis, and uh, we can get confused about this. I can get confused. We can get confused. Leave it to us to take a word like minister and make something out of it. But the truth is, if we will listen to Jesus, I am a servant. I serve you. My role, not just this morning, but my whole role in this, this body we call his church, my whole role is the role of a servant. But so is yours. But my role as a pastor is to help you find your place and your role as a servant. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And my calling is to help you find your calling. That's a really important biblical concept. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which we're not going to do this morning, but if you read that passage, and and I think most of you probably have read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, all about the members of the body and the different parts of the body and how they're all all essential to the life of the body. That's what it's all about. There are no secondary servants in the kingdom of God. There's no stepchildren in the family of God. There's no class of people. Everyone gets to share in the blessings and the work. Um, you're, and, and you're either in the body of Christ or you're not in the body of Christ. You're either, either a part of the church family or you're not a part of the church family. You either have the Spirit of God in you or you don't have the Spirit of God in you. There's no part way. And if you, if you do have the Spirit of God in in you, then that makes you a servant. It makes you not just a a servant, but a a son or a daughter of God. It means you have a special place. It means you have a a, a role, and it means that you have a calling, the calling of God upon your life. You, You have God's attention. I want to... um. I want to read for you, and I'm, you know, I'm asking you to hang with me here because the things that we're talking about right now are really, really important. They might not reach out and grab your heart always, but, but if you allow me, I'd like to read a, a, just a paragraph from the service manual of our elders and deacons in our church. This is a paragraph from that, uh, that document. Together, each member of the body makes up the whole. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? And while we must recognize that leadership is a crucial and biblical concept for Christ's church, the emphasis with his church, according to his spirit, by the word, is upon body life, with all believers being called to serve God as part of a team. The New Testament emphasis is not on leadership, it's on membership. And the role of leaders is to equip members, Ephesians 4. As leaders, we must always remember, and this is a manual for elders and deacons, for, for uh, leaders, church, church, church leaders. As leaders, we must always remember that the mission and ministry of Christ belongs to the body. Leadership is to be viewed then as necessary, but with the role clearly defined to encourage and facilitate the involvement of each believer in full kingdom life with the ultimate challenge of the Great Commission calling. One more scripture. It's just one verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. And we'll see if we can pull some. Some thoughts together here. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. I don't know when the last time was you read this, but, but take a look at this passage with me. This simple sentence. Paul says to the Corinthian believers, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. As I say, I don't know when the last time you read that was, but when you read it today, I really want for us to take a, to take a, a look and see what Paul is outlining here in this short statement because there's a lot in there. A lot. What we proclaim is not ourselves, first point, but Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to be clear about that. We need to be crystal clear about that. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. But as for you and me, we are servants for your sake. A lot of planning work has gone into the developments in our church leadership in these days as we are in 2022 now. Um, we plan for these things uh, for a long time. And, and one of the things that's been impressed upon us in this regard is the need to communicate, 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 because people need to know what's going on. And uh, Steve Hiltz would say what people aren't in on, Josh, they're down on. And so we need to communicate. And, and because when people don't have the, the right information, they just kind of tend to fill in the blanks. And it's amazing how people do that. And so the rumor mill runs in full gear. So part of what I want to do this today is, is to just to clarify and to communicate uh, what's happening as we make this this transition in 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 leadership roles? Um, I had cancer surgery in February. I, I I wasn't I wasn't trying to like 
hush it up or keep it some kind of secret that I was diagnosed with cancer back in, in December. I, I didn't show it from the rooftops, but I, I think most of you weren't, aren't surprised to hear me say that, although I have had a few people say, I, I didn't realize that that, that happened, uh, but it, it did happen, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm actually still waiting to, um, to see whether I need to have follow-up uh, chemo or not. But, um, but the surgery went well, uh, brutally hard thing to go through. I don't recommend it if you can avoid it, but, but uh, I seem to have recovered well from it, and I, I'm feeling really well. Um, um, and, but I'm waiting to see. The prognosis, they're, they're, you know, is, is, is good, what they're telling me. So, um, uh, but um, none of these, this, what we're talking about in terms of leadership role transition has anything to do with that. Because all of this was all planned long, long before uh, we, I knew anything about this, this you know, physical uh, trial that God decided you know, to bring into my life. Uh, um, and, and, and then, um, as I mentioned at the front end, I'm looking at a four months sabbatical leave starting at the end of next week. And, uh, that's been planned for a long, long, long time too. And when we were planning for a leadership transition, we planned to make that the, the hinge point. Josh and Elsie uh, join our church family. Uh, it'll be three years this summer, I believe. And uh, the plan was at the two-and-a-half-year mark uh, to make that transition happen and correlate it with my sabbatical leave, uh, which kind of removes me out of the picture for four months. And then uh, when I you know, uh, return, Lord willing, because all of our plans are conditioned on the Lord's being willing, right? Just this caveat. Right, we all understand that, right? Uh, but the plan is, human plan is, when I come back uh, in in the fall, I, I'm stepping, you know, in full into this associate type role uh, for a couple of years until uh, retirement. So that's the human plan. That's uh, that's been in the works for a long, long time. But I want to be clear on these things. If you would like more information about the, the whole idea of sabbatical in our church and how that works in our church, um, we uh, we can share that documentation with you with policies. It's not, there's nothing secretive about it. It's all um, 2007, I think, was when we adopted that full policy. And uh, you're welcome to read it if you'd like to know more about how that works. But one of the key reasons that we have a sabbatical plan in place is so that it will be, will be forced to recognize, I will be forced to recognize that this isn't about me. That's just one of the reasons we have a sabbatical policy in place. There are all kinds of other reasons, good reasons, biblical reasons, but that's one of the reasons. And, um, and I, I embrace that. Um, again, wanted to quote that rumor mill because we all know how that works. We want to be clear on these things, what's happening and why they're happening, and, and, and it's, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, but I want to be most clear and most crystal clear on the, the point of this message today, which it has to do with my role or Josh's role 
or Alex's role, or the role, truth be known, the role of any pastor or any leader in the church. Our role is to serve you by helping you to identify and become better, uh, identify yourself as a servant and become better equipped to serve others. Who? Me? Yes, you. Now, you might be sitting here today and you might be wondering if that, you know, does this apply to me? Or is this for the person beside me? Let me assure you that it, it applies to you. I uh, want to uh, read one more quote, and this time it's, uh, we're going to put it up on the screen. And this is a quote from, uh, it's actually an excerpt from the um, job description of all of our pastoral positions. I'm just going to give Dave a, a moment here. There it is. This is uh, attached to the, f- the premise, the front end, uh, uh, the preface, I should say, of each of the job descriptions, regardless um, all the pastoral job descriptions. The guiding philosophy for all pastoral staff at Faith Baptist Church is to function primarily as equippers. While doing a lot of ministry tasks, which we acknowledge, priority must be given to leadership development and the equipping and deployment of every member for ministry. Every member. That's Ephesians chapter 4. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's, it's, there's no exceptions to it. There's no special categories in the church. Every single Christian is a servant of God. Every cr- single Christian has a calling upon their life. You have a calling of God on your life to serve, to serve others. And it's just as special as as my calling or the calling of the person sitting beside you. You have God's attention. You know, it, that God would be interested in us at all is astounding. That he would have our best interest at heart is one of the most reassuring things that I think that, that we could possibly know. That God would want to involve us in his work in other people's lives, well, that's just, that's just really humbling, isn't it? Over the course of the next couple of weeks, um, Josh and Alex mentioned Mother's Day coming up and, and uh, you know, with special guests coming and so on. But then after some of those things happen, uh, we're going to be starting a conversation with all of you. And I'm not going to be available. I'm not going to be around. But I am hoping to participate from afar. Because, because we really want to start a conversation about this, this topic this morning. God's calling upon your life. I'm, as I say, not going to be very uh, accessible, but uh, Josh and Alex are, uh, they're going to be uh, 
They're going to be very available. You can call them day or night, any time of the day. <laughs> they want to hear from you. They want to have a conversation with you about God's calling on your life. You have God's attention. Does God have your attention? He has things he wants you to know. And he has things he wants you to do. The, the guys mentioned these. This is the call, these are the call to follow book. I think this is all we have right here, uh, Josh. Five, uh, five of them. But we have digital copies, and we're making more hard copies um, as well. Um, if you'd like one of these, if you haven't read through uh, this, um, you would benefit from it. And you can grab one from me. And uh, if... Uh, if they all go and we need more, you know, talk to Josh or Alex. Don't talk to me. <laughs> I have a few more things I have to do before I leave on sabbatical, um, but I'm trying to trying to work my way into this. Now, my my phone says 11:42, which means that um, I need to be wrapping up, and uh, but I have a few mo moments to try to just maybe impress upon you the amazing and wonderful truth that you have God's attention. I can only pay attention to one thing at a time. Oh, by the way, if you want to love your wife, give her your attention. You want to love your husband? Give him your attention. I don't know, the guys are saying, yeah, right on, baby. Give me, I want some attention. <laughs> I'm not talking about that, although that can qualify. If you want to love your children, and you want to love your children well, give them your attention. You have God's attention. Does he have yours? You have a call of God on your life. Do you know what it is? God has things he wants you to know and he has things he wants you to do. Have you ever consciously took the time to listen and to respond to God's call on your life? We want to start a conversation over the next number of weeks and months. I'm really excited about this, even though I'm not going to be here for it. I am going to be participating from afar because I'm, I'm my role is changing. I need, I need to be part of this conversation. What do you want me to do, Lord?
Remember Saul on the road to Damascus? What do you want me to do? Have you had a moment like that in your life? Maybe it hasn't come with the bright shining light that knocks you to the ground like Saul, but have you had that moment in your life where God got your, your attention? I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're, if you're joining us from home, if you feel comfortable standing, I'm going to ask you to stand as well as we close the service time in prayer. Curtis, would you come and close us in prayer? Payday. Okay. I'll be quiet from now on. <laughs> thank, you. thank you, brother. Thank you. I know you could. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your message. Uh, thank you that uh, you would use us, God, in your work in this world. That it's incredible that, that you're paying attention to us. You know everything about us, and you love us, God. That you love us because of who you are, not because of who we are, not because we deserve it, but because you're God because of your character, God, that's awesome. Um, we need to hear from you, God. We want to hear from you. Help us to pay attention. Help us to learn how to listen to you. And uh, show us how we can be involved, God, how we can be, you know, a more effective part of your body. And uh, we thank you for what you're going to do, God. It's exciting to think about. Thank you for this morning, and uh, help us to walk with you the rest of the day. In Jesus' name.